Welcome to Scrubcast, where we take a closer look at the research happening at Stanford University's Department of Surgery through conversations with the surgeon scientists themselves. I'm your host, Rachel Baker. Today, I'm joined by the crew at Techie Center. Can you introduce yourselves for me, please? Hi, I'm Audrey. I'm the executive administrator for the Techie Center and Dr. Carla Pugh. Hi, I'm Calvin. I am the postdoctoral researcher here. been with the lab for a couple of years now. Hi, this is Sindhu. I'm the research operations and program manager at the Techie Center. I started my position last July, so I've been here about seven to eight months. Hello, my name is Brett. I am a researcher in the lab, and I've been with the Techie Center for about five years at Stanford, been with Dr. Pugh for around seven. And then finally, hi, my name is Sue. I'm a research engineer slash data analyst at the lab, and I've been with Dr. Pugh for about six years. Fabulous. Thank you all for coming on the show today. Let's start with an easy one. What does Techie stand for, and what do you do down there in the basement of Grant? So Techies is the Technology-Enabled Clinical Improvement Center, and it was formed in March of 2018. The center is directed by Carla M. Pugh, MD, PhD, FACS, an internationally recognized surgeon scientist who has received numerous medical and engineering awards for her research on the use of sensors to quantify hands-on clinical skills. <clears throat> the research and technology development conducted in the Techie Center has revealed previously unknown performance metrics regarding mastery in surgical operations and bedside procedures. The Techie Center team has had great success in quantifying physicians' clinical experiences using sensor, video, EEG, and motion tracking technologies. This work has resulted in an information-rich database that enables the empirical evaluation of clinical excellence and medical decision-making. This has also resulted in people having sticky goo on their foreheads and looking like funny octopi. Right? <laughs> Marionettes is what I like to call it. Oh, I like that. Yeah, you are the puppeteers. I ain't got no strings. <laughs> so you recently had a paper published in the Journal of Surgical Research on AI-based video segmentation which is the result of a bunch of data you collected at the 2019 American College of Surgeons Clinical Congress. Walk me through what that was like. The ACS uh, 2019 was our very first data collection um, here at Stanford when it comes down to large scale data collections. And it was quite the adventure to say the least. <laughs> <laughs> uh, day one, and Brett can kind of help me out here too. We both uh, were there originally. Um, day one, we packed the U-Haul, so we went to the, went and rented out a U-Haul to basically just take our whole lab to Moscone Center up in San Francisco. All the motion tracking systems, the simulators that we were collecting data on, all the technology, basically. Yeah, it was uh, it was quite the endeavor. Um, very interesting to say the least. Uh, when we got up to the Moscone Center. We went to the docking bay and they had no idea who we were. There's like, who are these people with this random U-Haul coming up to the Moscone Center? Um, Anna and Cassidy, uh, former lab members in our lab, definitely worked their charm to try to help get us into the back, trying to explain that we're here with the ACS and we're part of an exhibit hall and we're doing research. It was, it was a whole entire thing. 
luckily in the end they allowed us to go in so we were able to basically just put up everything set up our booth uh make sure all the materials were there make sure nothing was broken do some Um, pilot testing and make sure all the technology was working and basically make sure we were good to go for the data collection yes and this was all just day one (laughs) so (laughs) it was it was quite the endeavor uh, day two, we were able to basically uh, get people to come in because we had a ton of people uh, that were volunteers. Um, we sent out a flyer prior to this mm-hmm. to kind of just pick up people off the street or pick up staff at Stanford to help us do this data collection. And so we had to kind of like run through the whole entire procedure, what you're going to see, who you're going to deal with, and just wrangle everyone together, you know? Mm-hmm. Basically doing practicing, trial runs, that type of thing. Yeah. Okay. And then finally, day three and four and five, those were all the data collection days. The first day of data collection, or day three in this case, was the most nerve-wracking. We didn't know who was going to be there. We didn't know how many people were going to get. We didn't know what problems were going to occur. So everyone was very very scared, yes. But basically, most of it ran well. I know the only major issue was that we ran out of suture, which is one of the biggest Ah. things we used. Mm-hmm. Uh, so day one, Cassidy had a funny story where she found a guy who knew a guy that brought her to some sort of random crate in like an old warehouse somewhere with old boxes of suture that oh they were going to throw out, you Amazing. know? So, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was an interesting experience to say the least. Yep. And we were basically collecting the procedure that we were doing, um, was we had surgeons come up and to participate, they ran a bowel, a piece of porcine tissue, um, and they were looking for enterotomies. Mm -hmm. And once they found enterotomies or little defects within the bowel, then we asked them to repair it how they normally would in the operating room. Um, And we were able to collect from over 200 participants across those three days. Wow. That's a lot of data. It is a lot of data. Um, <laughs> uh, it was quite the endeavor. I will, I will say at the end of it, the very last day, everyone was exhausted. I'm uh, sure. Then you all went and got massages. <laughs> yeah, I wish. yeah if, if only. <laughs> I think we all basically just took a few days off for ourselves and just laid in bed. At least that's what I did. <laughs> yep. Good, good. Wait, so conversational squirrel here. How does one transport that much porcine bowel and like did you end up on like some federal list for like buying way too much of it at a time i don't think so no No, it was it was hard to find initially um we were calling different butcher shops that type of thing and i I forget exactly where we ended up getting it from um but transportation was uh a lot of coolers (laughs) <laughs> and a lot of ice, and we needed fresh ice daily. That was for sure. Yeah. And we're oh talking about gosh. those coolers you take on like picnics to the beach, or <laughs> with your family. No longer used for food. Yeah, exactly. I was gonna say you put a label on them later. That was like, yeah, no, not. We yep. still have some frozen down here if you want to come try it out. <laughs> yep. In the deep freezer. <laughs> well, so you guys took some time for yourselves, well deserved, and then you came back to tons of data what what happens next so after the excitement of the data collection died down we had a lot of data on our hands 
that now needed to be kind of looked at and cataloged and validated. So I think the first thing that we did was we made sure we had backups of the data. Good idea. Yeah. And the question was how much data loss was there, right? Mm -hmm. uh, how much was lost? How much was unusable due to errors, technical issues, camera didn't turn on, um, we didn't, we forgot to hit the record button, things like that. And then, yeah, then I think we got together with our awesome collaborators and we kind of started asking um, different research questions that we want to answer from the data. Mm -hmm. And so that led us down the path of annotating these videos. Okay. What we wanted to develop some artificial intelligence algorithms that can pick out important events in the camera feed that we had and the motion data that we had. So we started looking at it, trying to pick out time points where a certain action was being done, for example, a suture throw or a thread cut, granular uh, instances like that. And then um, also things like at every instant in time, what was happening, what tool was being used, whose hand it was in, and uh, if it was active or inactive, things like that, just kind of having that fine grain annotations that would then help us to develop AI algorithms. Awesome. And so you were able to train the algorithm reasonably well to identify the little maneuvers, but what does that mean for your everyday physician? I mean, when we talk about AI and how it impacts surgery, we talk a lot about the video review process. So one of the goals of Techie Center is to help accelerate learning for surgeons. Okay. And um, one, one of the ways to do that is to get good and effective and quick feedback on your procedures, on mm. the procedures that you do. And so that involves like recording videos and having somebody more experienced looking at it and giving you feedback. But the problem is we all know that surgeons work really hard and they're burnt out mm. uh, a lot of the time and, and re reviewing three or four hour videos is just not, sometimes not possible yeah. just given the workloads. So one of the things that AI tries to do is to kind of pinpoint critical events okay. in the videos, which, which can then kind of aid the reviewer and say, hey, look at this part, which is kind of important to give for you to give feedback. And so one of the things that we are trying to do is try to find points like that where there are certain basic maneuvers that happen mm -hmm. inside the video and to be able to pull those out and give, a, give the context of where they happen in the video helps the reviewer make some high level uh, deductions on what's going on in those periods and, and, and be able to better help the surgeon in order to give them feedback and things like that. Awesome. I mean, that's like taking a, you know, four hour surgery and then I'm guessing I'm going to see this video and it's going to say, Hey, here's where they slurped the gallbladder out of the buttonhole. Like exactly. stuff like that. Exactly. Exactly. And specifically, so we, we have that uh, already where the AI can tell you, hey, here's the first procedure step. Uh -huh. But then the algorithm that we kind of developed at the Techie Center also tells you what other things are happening in those procedure steps. And so when you combine both of this information, for example, we can tell you, hey, there was a suture uh, repair in this section, but generally in that section, we don't expect to see suture repair. So then the reviewer can be like, let me see what's going on oh, there. Was yeah. that an error that the surgeon was trying to fix? Or was they, are they trying to reinforce a stitch or something like that? And so that gives you kind of augmented information about what's happening. Very cool. Well, so after all of this, I mean, tons of work, 
seems really anxiety inducing and I'm guessing you're all just like, I don't know, love endorphins and like your adventure seekers are probably jumping out of planes every other day because you decided to sign up for it again. Uh, and uh, you yes, returned you to Clinical Congress in 2022, and this time you drove the U-Haul to San Diego? Yes. So um, this time it was much further away, yeah. and along with that, uh, <laughs> along with the uh, seven to nine hour drive, uh, we also had a completely new team, right? Wow. Um, from 2019 to uh, 2022, we we're able to pick up new people and some people have moved on as well. Mm -hmm. And so the only original team members that were from the 2019 data collection was Brett and myself. Oh, so you were the only um, two with PTSD. Yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the rest of the team did not know what they were getting into. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> that might so be they, why. They didn't, they didn't run. <laughs> Even though uh, they may not have had experienced, this team definitely took on that challenge, did not run away from it and actually this year we far exceeded the capabilities based on everyone's expertise and skills and ability to just find resources similar to the 2019 data collection uh, we were going there a few days ahead of time mm -hmm. uh, to kind of get everyone in place you know we asked volunteers to come down and help us this was all very much the similar aspects to 2019. Mm -hmm. one major difference though was that we had a lot more equipment Mm -hmm. um, we actually changed the procedure oh. from a bowel repair to a full-on laparoscopic ventral hernia repair. Ooh. Yes. So luckily, we didn't have to bring bowel anymore. Hey. Um, yep. That's no coolers. <laughs> <laughs> but compared to doing a bowel repair, we Which actually is, had yeah, to... open procedure. Yeah. We had to find 10 laparoscopic towers, mm -hmm. which are Ooh. big bulky towers yeah. um, if you've ever seen one it's basically almost the size of a refrigerator so we had to get 10 of those and with the help of Sindhu and the help of Audrey we were able to basically work with companies this time around to get tools to get equipment to get towers so that we don't have to go to old back alley back alley <laughs> warehouses <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, this time around it was much better prepared when it comes down to that aspect but yeah. Yeah. Um, and again, this was a simulated laparoscopic ventral hernia repair mm -hmm. or LVH for short. And the simulator consisted of an abdomen that contained two small hernias along the midline. And basically we asked again, the surgeons who came to participate, if mm -hmm. they would fix this how they normally would in an operating room. And we were able to collect data from about 110 participants, nice. um, which was a little bit less than 2019, but this procedure took probably two to three times yeah on average longer than the bowel so what are you looking for this time are you looking to improve your algorithm or are you looking for new things is it a completely new algorithm no i think definitely what we're doing is still the same we're just um, gathering data on more participants and the more surgeons we get the better the algorithm is going to be and the more we're going to find mm -hmm. and this is just an iterative process that mm -hmm. i don't think will ever be completed you know um there's so much, so much that is to be looked at, to be analyzed, so much variations amongst surgeons. And we don't want the surgeons to perfect the bowel repair, but then that's not the sole surgeries they perform. Mm -hmm. So we want to branch out. Apply that. 
exactly. have a full Across. library. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Nice. Well, I look forward to the results, but we're going to change gears for a minute here. Sindhu, you were telling me that Techie received two really big grants recently, uh, Catalyst and Welcome Leap. Can you tell me a bit more about what you'll be doing with those? Yeah, sure. So under Dr. Pugh's leadership, the Techie Center was selected as one of the performers for the Welcome Leap SAVE program. SAVE stands for Surgery, Assess, Validate, and Expand. Some of the goals of the program are to train non-MD practitioners to perform laparoscopic surgery and shorten the timeline for training for surgical residents in laparoscopic surgery. So our project is titled Advanced Quantification and Acquisition of Surgical Skills Using the Wearable Sensing System. And we are proposing a newly developed technology called the Wearable Sensor System, short for WSS 2.0. Synchronizes multiple data streams such as audio, video, motion, and EEG. And uh, for this project, we are collaborating with three different partners. Uh, one is ArcTop, Surgical Safety Technologies, and the Academy for uh, Surgical Coaching. Awesome. I mean, and that actually leads me straight into my next question. Techie is known for being super friendly and collaborating just across the board, inside the Department of Surgery, outside the School of Medicine, outside Stanford. Can you tell me a, a bit more about a few of the interdepartmental projects you currently have in the hopper? Yeah, sure. Uh, so we work with many collaborators, internal and external to Stanford. Um, with respect to the internal collaborators, we have a grant with WUSAI Performance Alliance Group. We also collaborate with pediatric and orthopedic surgeons um, in Stanford for the Scoliosis Research mm -hmm. Society project. And then in the past, we worked with Biki, which is the Beijing Institute of Collaborative Innovation. And then other departments that I can think of are interventional radiology, computer science, mechanical engineering, material sciences. And then recently, we've also been working on developing breast simulations for Dr. Candice Thompson, who is working on a community outreach project in the East Bay. Oh, neat. That's so cool. I can't wait to hear more about it. Love it. And I love Candace. She just joined our team and she was our fellow. So I feel very attached to her already. Um, <laughs> we're about at time, unfortunately. Is there anything that you, uh, any of you wanted to add maybe about what it's like working in a lab that is so very unique? Uh, <laughs> different. Um, I mean, are you, I wouldn't exactly call you guys doing bench work. You're, you know, you're not, don't have beakers and you know, you're not pipetting every day, but you're also not doing HSR. So how did you get into this? What advice would you have for someone else who's thinking this is maybe the direction they want to go? Yeah, I can uh, take a crack at that. Yeah. Working with Techie has been really interesting for me so far. Um, I have a background in healthcare, more on the engineering side. When I first came to the group, I found it to be very interdisciplinary. Mm -hmm. So on the one side, you have the surgeons. On the other side, you have engineers. Um, and then you have all of these different collaborators who bring different expertise into the 
group and not only just one kind of engineers you have cs engineers you have electrical engineers uh, you have fabrication engineers so it's just very very multidisciplinary mm-hmm. and then when you start talking with people from other group you're just blown away by the amount of expertise they bring to the table and and so it's a very unique both opportunity and challenge i think communicating with these different domains so to speak and uh, it's it's actually been really rewarding for me because it's nice to be having a core strength but it's really fulfilling to kind of come together with other people from different backgrounds and then uh, work towards a common goal mm-hmm. so i think this larger goal of improving surgical education is definitely something that helps us to kind of work together and something that i can attest to is the i think all the work that we do is only possible because each of us are very dedicated um and also each of us are not every one of us are so open to doing everything that needs to be done and we wear different hats all the time and that kind of shows the common kind of commitment we have towards that central goal so i don't know if anybody else wants to add anything else to that no i think that's very well put mm-hmm. yeah yep. <laughs> we're in agreement awesome well that brings us to the end of another episode thank you so much to our guests and to everyone for tuning in if you like scrubcast we hope you'll tell your friends and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts Scrubcast is a production of Stanford University's Department of Surgery. It was produced by Rachel Baker. The music is by Midnight Rounds, and our chair is Dr. Mary Hahn.